It's God's Word that is a great treasure to us. Because we believe that, that's why uh, we're here this morning. We believe that God has given us what we need for life, for faith, through His Word. And so we're going to turn our attention again this morning to that Decalogue in Exodus 20, those ten words, the ten commands that God gives to His people at Mount Sinai so that they could live in covenant relationship with Him, the Holy One who is in their midst. These commands we've seen over the last many weeks have been deepened, they've been fulfilled with the coming of Christ. Uh, no No less important though for us now to enjoy life in relationship with our God and with each other. So again, we'll begin reading at Exodus 20, verse 1, and I'll go through verse 13 this morning. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word. And as we watch the grass wither and the flowers fade in this winter season. Your word does not fade. It is your word that stands forever and you are working to perform your word in our hearts and our minds even now as we listen, as we consider and contemplate this word. We ask you to help us or make us attentive now in this word, just two words out of the whole of the scriptures. And yet they carry so much weight in our lives. Lord, teach us, encourage us, admonish us now through Your Word. Speak faithfully, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. I just want to die. Um, Maybe you've heard that phrase or thought that on occasion yourself. If you have, you know the depths of pain and despair that are underneath that phrase. I just want to die. Whether it's someone who wants to take their own life or have their life end by natural means, under those words is a belief that life is no longer worth living, that it doesn't have any more value or purpose. 
that, that really no more contributions can be made. And so the pain is too great, the embarrassment is too, too great, the fear is too strong, and so life must come to an end. It would be better off, is the belief, if I were gone. And we see this in the news from time to time. I didn't catch any big names in this last week, but celebrities, well-known athletes, even well-known leaders in the church taking their own life. For some of us, that's not just a news clip that we watch. It's a a part of our story. So we think about, what, what what are we to make of this? How do we begin to think about life and death and all of the complexities that go into thoughts like this and the psyche that says, I just want to die. Is there ever a time? The creator of all life tells us that there is a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to resist death and a time to stop resisting. It's not because life has no more value or purpose. All of life is valuable to God. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who governs it. He's the one who protects life. So to devalue life or believe that it's of no value from the womb to the tomb, that's hostile to the character of God. So he says you shall not murder. That's really the best that we can do in English. Uh, murder is a little narrow for that uh, particular term. There's to be no premeditated murder or slaying. I think think we understand that. But the term includes all uh, innocent life, even uh, unintentionally or out of carelessness. So voluntary and involuntary manslaughter are included here. Killing during a time of war or judicial execution. We'll talk more about this. Capital punishment. They're not really in view uh, with this command. In fact, both in, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, God commands that type of killing uh, in time of war. So this, this word is for unlawful killing that violates society rather than serves uh, society. We read in places like Numbers 35, the stipulations that go uh, hand in hand with different uh, types of death. But I think, you know, do we really need to hear this? Are we convinced that murder and the devaluing of human life really is that much of a problem for us. Um, actually for you and for me. Um, I mean, I think this very morning of, of brothers and sisters, those who are on the, on the run or hiding from those who want to kill them, sometimes in very brutal and savage ways. And we don't have to turn on the TV for long to hear about another shooting or another mass murder around the world. Everywhere. In fact, we're hard-pressed to find a TV show or a movie that doesn't include killing in some way, intentionally or unintentionally. I mean, think of the video games that are being played. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, it likely includes death even glorifying the destruction of human life. So you see how we grow numb? We grow numb to murder. The 1940s, Nazi Germany had occupied the Netherlands and Dutch doctors were given an order. They said if anyone was, was sick, elderly, with a terminal illness, just let them, let them uh, don't treat them, let them go. 
let them die. Well, the doctors refused to do this. They said, that would be a war crime. We're going to treat those who are ill. And in 2001, the Netherlands became the first country to legalize doctor-assisted suicide. Now, isn't that interesting? And what a tragedy. It goes from war crime to an act of compassion in about that 60-year time frame. And we don't even need to mention Roe versus Wade and the millions of legal murders in the land since the 1970s. I mean, we're well on our way into the 21st century, I realize, but the 20th century goes down as the bloodiest in world history that we know of in world history. 86 million lives lost in war, 120 million through genocide and mass murder. And that's not even counting the abortions around the world. Are we convinced? Human beings broken by sin are killers. We kill the body physically. Okay, so, so we need this command this way, but it doesn't start with that external act of killing. Killing of the body. It starts with what's inside the killer. All right, this is where I should probably put that warning sign up, right? This, is, this will apply to me. This is where it gets personal. I think if there's one command that we, we usually think, hey, I've got this one sort of tucked away. I've got a little control on this one. Um, Jesus makes it very personal, as we've already heard and, and read together. You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. In Matthew chapter 5, malice, envy, anger is considered murder. We go to John, uh, 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So have you ever been angry or bitter towards another person? Have you ever held a grudge, maybe for an extended period of time? I ran across to Carl. Carl was 73 years old, and he was sitting in the courtroom across from John's widow trying to apologize because shortly before, Carl had gone to the home of, of John, and John rang the doorbell, opened the door, and Carl put a bullet right between his eyes. Why would he do something like that? Because 50 years earlier, John had embarrassed Carl in the locker room. And he held on to it. And so what that, that murder on the inside was finally expressed 50 years later. That's how serious this is. So what Jesus speaks of here, it's not new. It's all part of the old story. Genesis chapter 4, after Cain has offered his sacrifice, and what God says to him in 4 verse 6, why are you angry? So Cain is already on this path of destruction. He's already killed his brother in his heart, and then two verses later, he actually kills his brother's body. Murder. Okay, so I won't take a show of hands as to how many have broken this commandment in a lifetime, maybe in the last 24 hours, because that would be pointless. We belittle or insult one another. Or even just think, you know, if, if I never saw that person again, that'd be okay. Um, that plane disappears over the ocean, you know, whatever. So be it. That, that's a murderous heart before God. So as human beings, we are, are murderers on the outside There's enough fear, anger, envy, 
for all of us to be murders on the inside. So God gives us this command as a baseline, a starting point in which to elevate life and the value of life. So we're talking about human life specifically here, but as a trickling effect to all of life, all of creation. It's been entrusted to our care, entrusted to our stewardship. Uh, we need this word. And we see how Jesus transforms it by his very own life. God incarnate. Jesus shows us the value that God places on life, specifically human life. Jesus doesn't disregard his life. He cared for his body. He cared for the bodies of others. He didn't consider humanity as just another creature, just another mammal, but made in the image of God. We read that Jesus radiated the glory of God, um, the author of life, Hebrews tells us. At the same time, Jesus does not place absolute value on his life or other human lives. See, he's willing to give his life as a sacrifice. Our lives are a gift of God. They can be used, they can be lost, or at times they may need, may need to be given up. They do not possess absolute value. I like what uh, German poet uh, W.J. Alder, he said, living is not life's greatest good. That sink in for a second. Living is not life's greatest good. Is it true? I mean, the, the character of God shows us that it is. And the, the greatest good for your life, the greatest good for my life, is not the very fact that you're sitting there and I'm standing in here breathing. But rather, why are we breathing? Who are we breathing for? See, our lives are not our own. We belong body and soul to our Savior. So when our bodies sleep, take that last breath, we remain very much alive because of who we have lived for, who we belong to. His book, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis, says there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Just highlights the value of human life, the immortality given to us by God. Eternity is very, very real. Eternity under the just wrath of God or eternity under the just and merciful glory of God in Christ. Living is not life's greatest good. And Jesus has shown us this by giving His own life so that you and I could have life. Life, in, uh, life that endures. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through Me. So Jesus had to give his life, murdered at the hands of his accusers, so that you and I can live now forever without a fear before our God. So church, we, we've been given life in Jesus. It's the Spirit of Christ that keeps us alive physically, spiritually. And so if we have this life in Jesus, then we are ambassadors for life. Some of you have watched loved ones or you are watching loved ones whose earthly lives are passing away, but their lives are secure. They endure in the hope of Christ. Life eternal with Him. Life the way that we've been made to live with our Savior. So for us to be pro-life in any way, 
means that we, we praise the Lord with all of life and hold out the words of life to each other. And we offer the words of life to those who are dead but still breathing. We'd be protectors of life. Uh, so what does obedience look like here for those who are alive in Christ? I want to suggest uh, three areas that we focus on. There are a lot of practical issues that could be considered as part of these. But when it comes to valuing life, we need to purge, protect, and praise. Purge, protect, and praise. By the enabling power of the Spirit, we must purge anger, purge malice, resentment in our hearts. This command has a lot to do with the attitude of our hearts. We must be reconciled when we've hurt one another. Jesus places a real urgency on this in Matthew 5. He says, if your brother has something against you, go to him and be reconciled. Because if you don't, it's, it's going to fester. And the seeds of murder will take root. I mean, if, if you're used to belittling others, or if you're, it's just more habit for you to find faults and to spread them around, you could be accomplice in murder, if not the guilty party. So let's search our hearts. Pray that the Spirit would would show us where we have either unresolved conflict or anger or envy that really is deadly to our relationship with the Lord, with each other. Let's expect the Holy Spirit to to show us where we need purging of what's going to be very deep-rooted in our hearts. This could come through words, it could come through text messages, Facebook responses, sometimes even in our silence we can communicate this strongly. Secondly, we must, we must protect human lives, uh, our own lives, the lives of those around us, even the lives of people we don't know or people we don't necessarily like. We're made in the image of God, as Ed was sharing with our children just a moment ago, um, then all life is worth protecting. Um, think of, of conception as the gift of God. Even if that conception took place under circumstances that weren't prepared for, sinful, every child in the womb or outside of the womb is an image bearer of the Creator God under His special care and attention. when, When moral truth is ignored and suppressed around us, it just minimizes the value of human life. Protecting life in the womb. It begins to infringe upon personal autonomy. That may be the supreme value of the Western world. We need to fight to protect the lives of those who cannot fight for themselves. So it's true for the very young. It's true for those who are getting older, those who are vulnerable, more in their senior years. They need to be cared for. We've already mentioned that Life is more than just the length of days. Um, physical death is not, not the way it's supposed to be in a fallen, broken world, it is, but it's still a grace of God. Or to live life to the fullest for His glory, not seek to abandon life when it gets difficult or, or hard. And that, that seems to be the, the expectation that's growing around us, that our lives should not be a burden to another. So once they become a burden, well, then that starts to minimize the value of life, the purpose for living. That's when you start to see suicide and 
physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia are thrown on the table for consideration. But this is murder. These options are never painless. Should never be sanctioned as painless, whether it's through just commission, actively killing, or omission, just neglecting when healing measures uh, could be taken. So that, that's different from just non-intervention in the dying process. And uh, we could talk more about that sometime. Those of you who are nurses, doctors, have been around, those in hospice care could speak into this some more. But we must dis- oppose any sort of treatment or the disposal of life in this way. Declaring that the message is life is worth living. Another way we protect life is to acknowledge, support the civil authorities who have been given the sword. The sword is given by God to protect against the innocent loss of life. Murder, so capital punishment, that judicial execution that exists because we place such a high value on human life. Um, here's what... Uh, a quote from the National Association of Evangelicals helps us understand this a little bit. If no crime is considered serious enough to warrant capital punishment, then the gravity of the most atrocious crime is diminished accordingly. If capital punishment is eliminated, the value of human life is reduced and respect for life is correspondingly eroded. Now, we don't, we don't kill every murderer. Right? The Lord placed a mark on Cain in Genesis chapter 4 so that he wouldn't be killed and those who found him wouldn't kill him. But this, this crime has that serious of a penalty. When it's justly administered, that's an expression of God's wrath against murder. And that's another one of the major issues we face. Our legal system is the justly administered part of that. We don't have a good track record in our country for consistency and due process when it comes to the death penalty. Just an example, and this is, this is an old example, this is 20 years ago, 1998, 13 of 25 inmates on death row in Illinois were proven innocent. 13 of 25, half, and we, were, we the, the judicial system, was going to kill them. That's murder. That's not serving society. So again, if we're not absolutely convinced that the death penalty is being justly administered and there is no warrant for that. So purging the anger from our hearts, uh, protecting the lives of those around us, not being careless with our own lives, uh, and finally praising with the lives that we've been given. Psalm 118 says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Our lives are to be lived in praise to the Lord. You see, we're the only creatures who can actually speak the name of God in our praise and exalt His name together. Remember His work, His redeeming work for us in Christ. So to murder would be to rob God of this rightful praise in our lives and the lives of those around us. So be about your days in praise to the Lord of life. Recall His faithfulness. Think about His grace in your life. You've done that in these last few days as you've gathered with family. Okay, if you're spending your days in despair, wondering why the Lord keeps you around, why the pain endures, well, here's reason number one. To give Him praise. 
to proclaim His greatness and His power and His glory and His love with every breath that the Lord gives you. That's why we live. So when our lives are bound up in Christ, each day is a day of praise and thanksgiving. Even in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the hurt, we can still praise because our lives are held securely in the arms of Christ. So when you hear from another or you think to yourself, just that, that fleeting moment of despair, I just want to die. Hear Christ saying to you this morning, I just had to die so that you could have life. That's how much He loves you. Only in Christ can we value life, fight for the life that we ought. One man murdered so that we can have life. So that we might murder less and less for that day of no more anger, no more murder, no more pain, no more bitterness, no more death. Jesus came that you and I might have life and have it abundantly. Let's praise Him for this. Lord God, we do thank You that You've given us Your one and only Son, murdered at the hands of sinful men, that we might have life and have it to the full. Lord, we thank You for this life, this day, for every breath that You give to us today and that which You will give tomorrow, should You tarry until that time. And Lord, as we wait patiently, we give You praise. Help us by Your Spirit to purge the anger, the envy, the malice in our hearts that murders our brother or our sister. Lord, thank You for taking this guilt upon Yourself and giving us life. May our value, uh, the value that we place on life, may our, our purpose, may this just infuse us with purpose. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.